0: to so what to keep pounding for the war, 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 ones who want an inside look at the vault. This is, this, this,
1: this is, is Views from B- B- street. From B-
0: now, here's your host, Lonzo Wrightsell and Rob Brown. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another rousing edition of the Views from Midstreet Podcast. Your home for all the Carolina Panthers talk you could possibly stand, and then a little bit more presented by Odyssey and across the Odyssey Network. Glad to have you. I am Rob Brown, host of the Rob Brown Show, which airs from 9 to noon weekdays in Greenville, South Carolina, and around the upstate of South Carolina, right in the heart of. Of Panther Country. And of course, joining me as always, my partner in crime, my co host, they call him the great one, Lonzo Reitzel is here as well. And yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we continue to bask in the glow of a two week victory parade. Hey, it's a National Football League. Wins aren't cheap and they aren't easy. So when you get one, you celebrate. And when you get one and then you go into the bye week, Just celebrate a little bit more, ladies and gentlemen, and that is what we are doing as we get set for the next game coming up this weekend on the road in Seattle against Geno Smith and his Seahawks, a game that obviously later on this week, we will preview quite in depth, but it is the opening portion of the week. This is ordinarily where we would talk about the game that was but we shan't today because there was no game to be the was. Instead, we talk about all the things taking place in and around Charlotte, North Carolina. And if you have not heard yet, ladies and gentlemen, Baker Mayfield's time with the Carolina Panthers has come to its conclusion. ESPN and Rappaport and others reporting early on Monday the Baker Mayfield asked for and was granted his release on Monday morning, and the release was granted in the afternoon. Uh, look, we'll talk a little bit about the impact that he had, his legacy with Carolina, although he wasn't really around enough to build one. Uh, I will just say this, Lonzo, is somebody who had genuinely hoped that Baker would be able to revitalize himself would be able to show up and be the guy we needed him to be uh, it ends with disappointment and I don't really have another word to call it frankly
1: uh, ends for ends in disappointment for us and it's not just about I mean being a Baker fan I still think he got a, a bad rap in Cleveland and from everything I've continued to read the locker room for the Panthers really like him and that he did and said everything right um the new coaching staff apparently doesn't like him, which I which I have believed all along anyway. And last night, <clears throat> the breaking news, breaking being the word there, that Jimmy Garoppolo was out of the game in San Francisco because he broke his ankle. The fir- My first thought was, man, if this happened before the trade le- deadline, Baker would be out of here so quick. But there's no way, is there? There's, there's no way that he could possibly be free to go to a team like that that might need him. And uh, little did I know that there's a way, Rob. Yeah, you know, listen,
0: uh, after Steve Wolf took over as the HC, it became very obvious to anybody that was paying attention that Baker was on the outs, right? Like P.J. Walker got the start. PJ gets hurt. Baker comes in. He goes for a game. They can him to move back to Sam Darnold. And then it apparently came out on either Sunday evening or very, very early Monday morning that the plan moving forward was Sam Darnold at QB one PJ Walker at QB two and Baker Mayfield at QB three. Now, uh i'm gonna say this like i know there are a lot of folks that have a soft spot for pj walker i am one of them i like the guy i appreciate the guy he's a gutsy player who lays everything out there but at the end of the day he's not that good and if you're baker and you're sitting there on the carolina roster at qb3 if nothing else forget the personal feelings forget how it makes you feel as a competitor to see your name go behind PJ Walker on the sheet, whether or not there's a good reason, right? Like Baker knows that his value is also tied to the trade pick that Carolina sent to Cleveland, but just as a competitor to see your name listed behind somebody else that you are better than. And I think most of us, rationally agree Baker is better than PJ with all due respect to PJ Walker. At least I do. If you disagree, hit me up on Twitter at the Rob Brown show and let's fight about it as a competitor to show up and see the depth chart with a guy that you believe that you are better than listed ahead of you on the depth chart, knowing that there is a below the table reason that you are in that spot. I think it's, it's reasonable to not want to be a part of that anymore. So I don't really have any ill will towards Baker Mayfield. I'm not really bothered by the fact that bake doesn't want to be in Charlotte anymore. Uh, You know, listen, Steve Wilkes was asked, you know, is, is Baker just not good enough? Was, would you consider this a failure? And Wilkes said, I don't consider it a failure. Sometimes things just don't work out. And I think that's what's happened here, right? Like it's a relatively comparable uh, uh, scenario to what is happening right now in Clemson with DJ Uianglale, who officially went into the transfer portal just a couple of hours after Baker Mayfield was granted his release from the Panthers. There are just times though when situations don't work out and listen Maybe Baker's really not that good. Maybe he goes to San Francisco or somewhere else, and we go. All right, that's the third team in two years. He failed there too. It is what it is. We're going to give him some time, no matter where he ends up, whether it's San Francisco or somewhere else, because it's going to be what head coach number four and offensive coordinator number five in in five years. Uh, he'll get a little bit of leeway wherever he goes, but at the end of the day. For a bunch of reasons, because of a bunch of factors and involving a lot of variables, Baker Mayfield, and this is something I do agree with Steve Wilkes on, Baker Mayfield just didn't work out. And it is a bummer because I was pulling for the guy, both as a guy and because it would have been very nice if Baker would have come in and become a bona fide QB1 so that that top five draft pick or top eight draft pick or top ten draft pick or whatever it turns out to be next year could go somewhere else beside quarterback, it would have been very nice. And that ultimately is where this disappointment comes from, I think.
1: Well, a couple of things. I am curious. If you are a Baker fan, can you be a Steve Wilkes fan? Because it just it just seemed like there was something there the entire time. It really did. And I, I more so than, than – The draft pick, which, by the way, uh, now they only get a fifth-round draft pick because you can't play 70% of the snaps if you're no longer with the team. That's how that, that works. Math! Yes, absolutely, math. Speaking of math, I was curious about how waivers work. and I was reading a couple articles, and it's reverse order as far as availability goes. So the worst team gets first shot at Baker. So he could very well get claimed off of waivers by the Houston Texans. And correct, there, that's correct. There are he, And and right now, San Francisco, I think, is, uh, according to record or something, they're like ranked third as far as order goes. I mean, third to last if it was draft order because uh, how good the record is. Anyway, it's near the top. So almost the entire NFL – we'll get a shot at Baker before San Francisco does.
0: Uh, that is very much correct. The Houston Texans are waiver order number one right now. That is a potential landing spot. Chicago is two. Denver is three. What, 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 there what? are rumors going around oh, that yeah. the Broncos could very well be benching Russell Wilson at some point. I don't think that Baker Mayfield becomes a target of them, but that is a possibility. Um you got the Rams at four. We're sitting five right now. The Jags are six. No chance there. Uh, New Orleans, I mean, that could be interesting, right? If they have truly given up on Jameis Winston, uh, Andy Dalton's not getting it done. I doubt that's a possibility because even with us picking up some of that schedule, I think we're still on the hook for uh, $10 million or something
1: like that. Uh, and, I don't know if they would have the money. I was uh, going to say, Baker, Baker, from what I read, is only, it'd only be $1.3 million. So it's not going to be that big of a hit, sure, uh, for anybody. But out of the teams that you're mentioning, um, the Rams, I think is a, is the biggest possibility out of the teams so far. The lower teams, i taking him. Just,
0: yeah, think and, about it, and, it. It, and it might very well be right. Like that's a that's a. I think that is a possibility. I'm sure I he's
1: think- hoping for San Francisco. I, I mean, because wouldn't that be an awesome story to leave a team? Who put you down to to third? Go in and overtake the mighty, Purdy, and and become the become the starter for San Francisco. Reunite with Christian McCaffrey. Um. So and and I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know how much they can really play with that between teams. I mean, is it collusion? Is it tampering or anything? If a team talks to another team and say, hey you know, we'd like that guy right there. If you leave him alone, we'll help you down the road. I don't know if that happens or not. It,
0: it, the other part about this that'll be very interesting, Zoe, is that Baker Mayfield uh, could be picked up by a lot of teams. His, As of today, I would say his, his days as a starting quarterback are, are probably over, at least for the time being unless he steps in somewhere and has a backup resurgence, maybe going somewhere knowing he's QB two and is going to have to earn it as one. Maybe that brings something out of him. But right now uh, you've got a handful of teams that I think are going to be starting over at quarterback next year. Uh, The commanders are on that list. The Texans are on that list. The Colts are on that list. The jets are probably on that list. Hilariously enough, uh, the Giants may or may not be, depending on the future with Danny Dimes. Uh, New Orleans will likely be starting over at quarterback. I can't see Jameis wanting to send back there after what's been going on. There's a number of teams. The problem is there's also a very large free agent class at quarterback. Lamar Jackson, as of today, will be a free agent. Tom Brady, as of today, would be a free agent. Jimmy Garoppolo, Geno Smith, Daniel Jones, all these guys are free agents. And then there's the names like Bridgewater and Jacoby Brissett, who will be out there as well. There's not a lot of, uh, there's not going to be a lot of demand for a guy that got run out of Cleveland, not his fault, but you know, that's just how the relationship broke down. And a guy that had a chance in Carolina and blame as much of it on, as you want on Matt rule, even when Uh, Even when Matt Rule was gone, he could not endear himself or get himself over enough with the Carolina Panthers actively in a playoff hunt to get up and over that hill and move into the QB1 spot. So I don't think there's a ton of opportunities out there. Uh, I think you mentioned LA's potential spot, considering that Matt Stafford has just been completely unable to get healthy. That is certainly a possibility. Uh, You got to keep in mind,
1: I do believe Stafford's done for the season. By the way, and, and and the other thing that that you've been saying, everything you're saying, if you listen to what you're saying, it points more to San Francisco. That is a team that that we have been talking about possibly representing the NFC in the Super Bowl with Garoppolo. There, Garoppolo is gone. Garoppolo has been labeled as a game manager, all that kind of stuff. If you knew. You could get a quarterback for for five games, four games, whatever they have left, and the playoffs. A guy with playoff experience, a, a guy who you can fit into your offense because you're really, because you're Kyle Shanahan, and you can do that. You're you're smart enough to refashion everything in a way to make it work for that guy. It just makes so much sense. He's not going to be the quarterback next year. It's it's like hiring a mercenary or, or hiring a temp. He's a temp, you're bringing in a temp. But if you had to choose between Purdy and Baker Mayfield, the situation is not going to be too big for for Mayfield and we don't know about Mr. irrelevant. Uh
0: keep in mind by the way that the way that the waiver or the waiver wire works for a guy like Baker Mayfield. He goes on waivers for 24 hours from the time that he is placed there via a terminated contract from his team. So he will be on the waiver wire market until tomorrow, just after what, uh, 1.30, 2 o'clock, whatever time it was that that release got made official. And during that time, any team that claims him will own his rights For the duration of the contract that he is currently on, so uh, you know, which is a contract, right?
1: So it's it's only till the end of the season.
0: Correct. So somebody could pick him up, effectively forcing him to be a hired gun for the remainder of this year, and then he's got the option. Uh, to sign somewhere else next year, should A, he choose, and B, anybody want him to. We're not going to go deep down that rabbit hole because, frankly, it doesn't have a heck of a lot to do with the Carolina Panthers. So uh, I will simply ask you this, Lonzo. You know, we both said I I, I think a little disappointed that Baker didn't make out as as successful with Carolina, primarily for the Panthers, uh, sentimentally a little bit for Baker as well. Uh, how disappointed are you for the Carolina Panthers? Maybe not personally, although if you want to pitch that in, you're welcome to. How disappointed are you for the Panthers that the Baker Mayfield experiment was a failure?
1: Well, I think I think you got to be disappointed. I mean, to to go that far, maybe disappointed that the Sam Darnold experiment hasn't worked yet. I mean, he still got an opportunity under this new regime to do something for the rest of the season, but. As far as the quarterback position goes, the Panthers don't seem to know uh, what to do right now. Um, Cam Newton was great when he was there, especially in his heyday, his first few years. He was excellent. Um, and, and, And then when he was gone, they had no clue where to go, and they still don't. And who knows, if things continue, they may end up having more starting quarterbacks than the Cleveland Browns did before Baker got there. Um, and so so that's a concern that we can't seem to figure out what to do at quarterback. And it wouldn't have mattered if it was Baker or anybody else, because there have been, been a few quarterbacks there since Cam, and none of them have worked.
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, I don't think we're anywhere near Cleveland Brown territory yet. Ha 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 Deshaun. We'll get to that on a different show at a different time. Uh I think that you've kind of hit a point where You've got Matt Corral sitting there at QB3 technically on the depth chart right now and ready to go next year, fingers crossed. We'll see if he turns into anything or if he's just a career journeyman backup quarterback. We'll find out. Uh, but I, I I think that regardless of the outcome of this season, right, even if we win the division and go to the playoffs, winning a garbage division with an 8 or 9 or, or 9 and 8 record is not that all impressive. And by the way, I think, yeah, eight's the max we can win. So an 8-9 record, assuming we went out and Tampa drops a couple, including tonight against New Orleans, and we'll talk about that coming up in a minute. Uh, it comes down to we are going to need a new quarterback next year because uh, I, I, I don't suspect we're going to see suddenly Sam Darnold coming out and putting up Pro Bowl numbers now that there's no pressure of Baker taking the job back at this point. But I think Zoe's got a point in that we have to be concerned about the fact that we have now had three seasons in a row that we've missed on quarterbacks. The one solace is the videos that came out, and we talked about those in the pod last Friday, seem to show pretty conclusively that that was a Matt Rule pattern, not a Fitterer, not a Tepper pattern, and hopefully we just hit on the, the, the correct guy next year.
1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The views
0: Mid Street Podcast rolls on available where major podcasts are found on Stitcher, on Spotify, on Google Play, on Apple iTunes, or for free. On the Odyssey app, make sure you search for it, download and subscribe to the Visa from podcast. And if it's your first time, click that notification bell so you don't miss a minute of Panthers talk and share us around in your social circle so that we can continue to grow the show. Rob Brown, Lonzo, Right Soul with you. We appreciate you downloading and listening to the pod. So Baker Mayfield is out. We talked about that now let's talk a little bit about what this weekend looks like. And this weekend for us kind of starts today because it is Monday night. And if you're listening to this on Tuesday or Wednesday before the new episode drops, then uh, sorry, but it is what it is. Saints Buccaneers Monday night football, ladies and gentlemen. And instead of previewing, this game so let's talk about the results of this game both the tampa win and a new orleans win so that our bases are covered for people listening this to this in the future after the game has been decided and i will start with this i think i've talked myself zo into uh pulling for new orleans this evening it is the saints that i would like to see on the right side of the scoreboard for a couple of reasons. Number one, I do not see the Saints winning out. They've got a more difficult schedule than us, and they're bad at football right now. Very banged up team, the most injured team in the National Football League, but still not good. I don't really see them making a push uh, alongside us towards the rest of the regular season. What I do need to make sure of is I need to make sure that Tom Brady... And Tampa Bay don't get too big of a lead on us. They currently sit at five and six. They are a game and a half out ahead of us because of the fact that we have just come off of the bye. Uh they sit at five and six. We are at four and eight at this point. Uh, a loss tonight, moving them to five and seven puts us one game back of the division. The Falcons have already lost. They drop one to Pittsburgh. If New Orleans wins this game, they will move to five and eight. That will put them one game ahead of us, but also having played one more game as they have not hit their bye, theirs is not until week uh, 13, 14, something like that. So with all that being said, I want to keep Tampa within reeling distance because I'm, I'm frankly, I'm just not concerned about the new Orleans saints. They're not dangerous and they don't scare me. They're an organization with terrible decision-making from the owner all the way down to the head coach. Uh, I'm not worried about them, whether they make the switch back to Jameis Winston or not. I am worried about Tampa Bay using new Orleans, a bad football team that they have already beat once to springboard into some momentum coming down the stretch because the reality is we need we need them the drop two we need to win out including beating them again I would prefer New Orleans get the win even though it would move them ahead of us quote unquote in the divisional rankings more importantly it would keep Tampa Bay within striking distance
1: well if you're a panther fan and if you're not why are you listening to this podcast so so for sure you are listening. Uh, because you're a Panther fan, you gotta root for New Orleans tonight. You absolutely do, because as you said, you don't want you don't want the lead from Tampa Bay to get insurmountable if that's even possible. I don't know, but but two games if they go two games up, it pro- you're probably not catching them. So at least and the the other thing is the Panthers play Tampa and they play uh, New Orleans again. So you're going to get both these teams in the last uh the last week of the couple weeks of the season. So out of them, the the one you fear the most is Tampa Bay. If Tampa Bay is completely out of it by the time you play him, uh Brady's already thinking maybe I will go back to uh to New England. And uh who knows, maybe he shuts it down completely and, d- and doesn't play at all. Probably not, but but I can still hope for that because I don't like Tom Brady and I'm gonna continue to say that no matter what venue I'm on. If I were on a uh on a, a Tampa Bay podcast, which I don't know why I would be, I would definitely say what I'm saying now. I don't like Tom Brady, and I want to see him lose and fail. Uh, but he is the he and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the biggest uh, threat to the Panthers having a shot at winning this division. So tonight, and maybe tonight only. Well, I can't say that forever because because I'm wearing an Ohio State shirt right now, and the Saints are Ohio State. So I, I mean, uh, just a There's like ten players on that team, probably. Uh, So I'm going to root for the Saints tonight for a couple reasons, but mostly because I want the Panthers to be able to catch Tampa Bay.
0: It's uh, it's it's interesting in that when you look at Tampa Bay's schedule after this, and we broke this down last Friday, so we won't spend a ton of time on it. But they are at San Francisco next weekend. That is, if not the One of the best two defenses in the National Football League against the Tampa Bay offense that has been struggling. Put up 17 against Cleveland, 21 against Seattle, 16 against the Rams, 22 against the Ravens, 3 against the Panthers, 18 against the Steelers, 21 against Atlanta. Uh, Their highest scoring game was 31 against the Chiefs, but they got outdoored 41-31 in that one. They put up 12 against Green Bay. They put up 20 against New Orleans in week two, and they put up 19 against the Dallas Cowboys. This is a team that is averaging, if you take the 31 points against the Chiefs out, a team that's averaging around 17 points a game. It is not a scary offense going up against the San Francisco defense next week. Then they've got Cincinnati coming to town. That's the same Cincinnati Bengals team that knocked off the chiefs. That should be one of those two at minimum. One of those two should be an L for Tampa Bay, potentially both. Then they're at Arizona on Christmas day. Uh, Listen, I, I, I don't, I don't dislike Brady as a person. You gotta wonder. Uh, first Christmas as a divorced dad. The Kyler Murray-led Arizona Cardinals are uh, chaos right now. Maybe they find a little Christmas spirit in there. I still think Tampa's probably favored in that game, but not by much more of a point. And then on New Year's Day, we take a little roadie down to Tampa And got an opportunity. Maybe we'll have somebody mail Tom Brady a big old bottle of avocado tequila to celebrate New Year's Eve. We'll find out. And then they're on the road at Atlanta. Uh, The interesting thing about this team, I think a win tonight sets them up with a little confidence and a little momentum to head to San Francisco. I don't know, frankly, if it's enough to matter. But if the Saints beat the Buccaneers tonight, I got at San Francisco as a loss. I got home against Cincinnati as a loss. I'll give them on the road at Arizona as a win. Uh taking on Carolina, I mean we've already beat them once. That could be an L. Even if they beat New Orleans tonight, Lonzo, you've got the potential for this team to go 3 and 3 down the stretch to end their season as an 8 and 9 football team. And if they're 8 and 9, And we got two wins against them and can get to eight and nine. There's a real good chance that we end up there. If they lose to the Saints tonight, Lonzo, eight and nine might be the ceiling for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They could realistically be looking at a seven and 10 year. And you can't tell me there's not two more wins for the Panthers somewhere down the line when you're looking at uh, the Seahawks, the Steelers, the Lions, the Bucks, and the Saints, you can't tell me we can't get to seven wins. A Saints win tonight, Tampa might only be a 7-10 and 10 football team and the door's wide open because I don't think the Saints are getting to seven. I don't think the Falcons are getting to seven. That's why I'm a New Orleans fan tonight. And if New Orleans gets this win, I got to tell you, I wake up tomorrow uh, really confident about the potential of winning this division. So
1: I got to tell you something else. I think you're given, uh, I think you're given Tampa Bay too much credit, uh, uh, giving them a victory over Arizona. Cause, cause Arizona has had had times when they played really well. And I think uh, the call of duty seasons winding down a little bit, or at least it's been around enough for Kyler to pay more attention. And uh, I, I think Arizona could probably get them too. I, I, I think there's a good shot. Tampa Bay only wins two more games, which puts them right where we need them to catch them and surpass them. And one of those two wins is not against the Panthers. Uh, an advantage the Panthers have in this is something you mentioned earlier. Sam Darnold doesn't have to look over his shoulder anymore. At least, well, there's one guy back there instead of two. So that, that's got a lesson. The shadow is not nearly as, as deep as it was before. So uh, one ghost, not two ghosts. I don't know, but he does. He doesn't have to worry about that as much. Uh, they can focus on that. The other thing is, um, I, I I think I think that just helps them so much. Whether whether we like it or not, Baker being gone helps. If if Tampa Bay should falter tonight, and the Panthers can do what they should be able to do against Seattle and we pointed out many times that the panthers have the easiest schedule out of everyone in the south going forwards it, it still it looks pretty bright
0: it would be it would be a really interesting finish to the season for tampa bay Like I said, you look at New Orleans, there's really not all that much, frankly, to be afraid of with that football team. Not only that, not only are they incredibly banged up and injured, sharing the same record, but New Orleans is at Tampa. Then they've got a second matchup with Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta's bad, but they're good enough to beat New Orleans. They're at Cleveland with Deshaun back. They're at Philly. The Eagles are going to beat them by 40, and then they wrap it all up. With the Carolina Panthers, a win tonight for the Saints increases the possibility, though, uh, increases the possibility that we could end up in a spot uh, where that game at the end of the year between New Orleans and Carolina, if New Orleans makes a run, which, again, I don't think they will, but that game could be for the, the divisional win if new Orleans beats Tampa and there's a lot of ifs ands or buts here between here and the end of the year, but take the momentum away from Tampa, give it to a saints team that can't get anything done when it matters. If they find a way to miracle themselves to win tonight. And all of a sudden that matchup at the end of the year, if we can get by Tampa in our mass match, last matchup with them could be very, very interesting. Like I, Five weeks ago, when we started looking and going, you know, this division's not that good. Maybe there's a chance. My thought was, maybe there's a chance, dot, 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 but probably not. And now I'm looking at it and going, you know, that game and that game break our way. And all of a sudden, long shots to win the division doesn't sound so ridiculous anymore. Although a lot of this does hinge on Sam Darnold. So we'll see how that goes. All right, wrapping it up. The views from Main Street podcast rolls on, ladies and gentlemen. I am Rob Brown, the great one. Lonzo Reitzel on the other side of the metaphorical glass. My co-host and partner, and crime partner and crime partner in crime. Well, it could be into a couple of things here. Depends, though. depends on what day it is, what time it is. It Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, how about this? Going into The last few weeks of the season. So coming off the bye week, the Carolina Panthers offensive line has been ridiculous. Let's start with the Rook. Let's start with Icky 62 overall offensive grade from pro football focus. That is fifth amongst rookie offensive tackles with at least 500 snaps 71 pass blocking grade. That is 16th amongst all left tackles, all of them. 17 pressures allowed, which is eighth fewest amongst left tackles with at least 500 snaps, and zero sacks allowed from week three to week 12. How about Brady Christensen moving to the left guard spot? A PFF overall offensive grade of 60th, 11th best in the league. A pass blocking grade of 70, that is 7th amongst guards in the league. 13 pressures allowed as 5th fewest amongst left guards in the league. 55.5 run blocking grade, 10th amongst left guards in the league. And a 75% run block win rate, ninth for all guards in the league. Bradley Bozeman, remember he took over from, for Pat Alflin earlier in the year. A 70.2 overall grade, 11th best among centers. Two pressures allowed, fewest amongst centers with at least 300 snaps, and a run-blocking grade from PFF of 71, 11th best amongst snappers in the league. Austin Corbett. A 73 overall PFF grade, that is good for 7th amongst all right guards. A 75 pass blocking grade, 6th amongst all guards. 11 pressures allowed, 5th fewest amongst guards. A 67 run block grade, ninth best amongst guards. And a 75% run block win rate is 10th best amongst guards. And finally, how about over at the right tackle, Mr. Taylor Moton? an 81.2 pass blocking grade, which is third amongst right tackles and 16 pressures allowed, seventh fewest amongst right tackles with at least 500 snaps. Uh, Listen, you don't really have any one guy that's number one, number two overall. across. But if you give me an offensive line of guys that are all top 10 against the run and the pass, I feel pretty good about that. I will let you be the resident offensive line praiser and expert here on the pod. This offensive line's good, dude.
1: Well, um, you can't see me, but I am a large individual who played offensive line in high school and in college. So I know a little something about that. You know, one thing uh, one of the most important things about an offensive line is being able to play together for an entire season, which other than line going out. They have done that when Bozeman coming in and and Bozeman had a shot to be the starter during training camp. Anyway, We all thought
0: Bozeman was going to be the starter before, before the season started.
1: So, so the continuity is there. And and the the thing is, you know what the guy next to you is going to do. But one thing I don't think people talk about enough is you also need continuity and, and need to have a feel for your quarterback. And one thing this offensive line has had to deal with is a rotation of quarterbacks. You've had three different guys, and from week to week, you don't know who you're going to have back there. Uh, it's one thing to have the same quarterback every week, and, you know, sometimes if he gets a little nervous, he'll he'll shift to the left a little bit, or he likes to roll out this way. You've got three different quarterbacks that's been coming in and out there, and it hasn't mattered which one's been back there. The offensive line has been able to to uh, block for them and block well the entire season.
0: That is a fact, and I think that – when you can have that much consistency, the biggest shame is that we have not been able to provide a quarterback back there in that spot. I mean, look, I look at guys like Justin Fields, Trey Lance before he got dinged up, a lot of the the young quarterbacks coming out that were expected to or or maybe hoped to turn into studs, and I kind of wonder, like, what would a Justin Fields look like behind this offensive line, right? What would a Trey Lance look like behind this offensive line? That's part of the reason that a lot of people, myself included, Zo, are kind of concerned about the future of Baker Mayfield is if you can't do it behind this offensive line, what offensive line are you going to do it behind? And we can we can put a lot of that on rule. We can put a lot of that on the play calling of Ben McAdoo. There's a lot of places that we – there are a lot of other variables that we can blame that failure on. But my goodness, if you are looking at bringing in a new young quarterback under a head coach that is getting his feet on the ground, I don't think you could ask for a better situation – than the one that you've got brewed up in Carolina right now?
1: Uh, Absolutely, as far as offensive line goes. Again, we don't know who the coach is going to be. We don't know what uh, the offensive philosophy is going to be going forward, but we do know that chances are this offensive line is going to be intact going into next season. And if you are a young guy looking at where you're going, and chances are we're still going to find a way to get a quarterback because we probably need to, unless Sam Darnold just sets the world on fire. And even if he does – probably still getting a quarterback uh, because if, if a new coach comes in, the first thing you're going to look at is, wow, look at this. Uh, you know, no one really won this job. And uh, let's let's go out and get one of these guys. And the quarterback crop is pretty deep this year in the draft. How could you not do that? But if you're one of those guys and you get that phone call saying, hey, well, we want you to be a Carolina Panther, you're going to smile and go, I'm going to stay upright. I like that because usually a young guy is going to go to a place that's in shambles." and the offensive line stinks.
0: Uh, Real quick, while we are talking offensive line, I need to add this. We kind of hit on it earlier in the show if this has not become obvious yet, but uh, the Panthers' official website reported earlier this morning that P.J. Walker will be ready to go for the Panthers' first game uh, or for the Panthers' game this Sunday against Seattle, pardon me, following the ankle sprain that he suffered a few weeks ago. Walker will come in, obviously, as the backup quarterback for Sam Darnold, just in case we did not make that clear earlier today.
1: uh, Allegedly, he's going to be the backup, but you know what? we got a full week of practice, and Steve Wilkes is the coach, which means, you know what? P.J. came in there, and he looked really good. You know what? We've decided uh, that that he edged uh, Sam out. We're going to go with P.J. this week. I just would you be surprised if you heard that?
0: Uh, yeah, no, we're going with Sam. We're, we're ride or die with Sam at this point. I think, I think it's, um, again, I don't think this is a commitment from Steve Wilkes, the Panthers, or anybody else that these cats are going to be around next year. I think this is just a matter of he's the best quarterback we got on the roster, and that's what we're going with, and nothing else. We'll see. Uh, a couple more things before we get out of here for the day. Obviously, we uh, we talked a little bit about Baker Mayfield being let go. Uh, still waiting on where he ends up in regards to the uh, in regards to the waiver tire waiver wire if he goes anywhere. I, I, I do, do have, a, I have a
1: question. I, I hate to interrupt, but I, I need to, I need to ask this question because. Uh, I don't know if maybe I missed it when you address it. So he's on waivers for 24 hours. Does he become a free agent after that?
0: Yes, that is exactly what
1: happens. So if you're him, don't you kind of hope you don't get picked up?
0: Uh, I mean, unless it is San Francisco, that is where you wanted to go. And that's the reason you, I mean, listen, the timing is too fortuitous to be a coincidence, right? Like Jimmy G gets lost for the season. They already lost Trey Lance, obviously It was too coincidental for Jimmy G to be lost for the season. And then all of the sudden that day, Baker Mayfield asked for his release. I expect him to be a 49er. The only question is going to be, do they go waiver wire for him? uh, Or does he clear or does somebody else snag him? Because keep in mind, it's not up to him. If the Houston Texans sitting there at one win, look, look, and they go, all right, Davis Mills isn't getting it done. We're a one-win team. What's the worst that can happen? Let's ride with Bake. They can snag him off the waiver wire right now. It won't cost them very much and go, all right, you're either going to play for us or you're going to sit at home and not help the 49ers. It's your pick. Um, you, there's also the question.
1: Oh, go, ahead, go ahead.
0: Go ahead. Well, I was going to say there's also the question that there are a handful – of other NFC teams between one and I believe 24 where the 49ers sit right now, that could theoretically pick Baker Mayfield up off waivers just to prevent San Francisco from getting him, right? And that that is a waiver wire strategy. So I don't mean to spend a whole lot more time on Baker Mayfield, but yes, I will find it interesting to watch uh, what goes on with the waiver wire.
1: All right, speaking of spending a lot more time, on Baker Mayfield. You have been a member of the media in places where you have been able to ask questions of of coaches. How many days will Steve Wilkes have to answer questions about Baker Mayfield? If you're this a week. member of if you're a member of the media, so so you're good for the rest of this week, then after that you move on. This week he will be answering
0: questions about Baker Mayfield from now until Friday. Uh, and then the focus will move to Seattle after the Seattle game is over. Uh, Maybe Monday next week, like if they lose and Sam has a bad performance, somebody's going to hit him with a, would you have liked Baker to still be here to give you a backup option? And Steve will go. Hey, listen, it was unfortunate. It didn't work out, and it was time to move on. We wish Baker the best. Now we're getting ready for Pittsburgh. And that'll be right. the end of it.
1: All right. One more thing. I got I got to uh, I, I gotta ask this also. So, what happens if Baker goes to San Francisco and wins a Super Bowl? Does this affect whether Steve Wilkes gets the job? If the guy who you did not play and you effectively let go because you requested it goes somewhere else and and wins the whole thing does that affect on whether you would hire him as the head coach
0: uh I think that would depend a lot on what Baker does and how they win right I mean listen if if he was to go start over Brock Purdy and he becomes a handoff machine and he's throwing the ball 14 times a game then no, probably not because of how much talent. If see if San Francisco wins a Super Bowl this year, even with Debo, even with McCaffrey, if they win a Super Bowl this year, it's gonna be because of their defense, not their offense, right? We 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 can all see that. That's very obvious. They are kind of set up like the Ravens were a few years ago. Couple of really good skilled players, a moderately good quarterback, but it is the defense that carries them to victory. I don't think you can hold that against Steve Wilkes, and I don't think—I mean, you can—you can hold it against Matt Rule. I'm 100% fine with holding it against Matt Rule. I don't think it impacts uh, Steve Wilkes' chances
1: all that much. Yeah, but you, how could you hold it against Matt Rule? Matt Rule started him, so it, it's Wilkes who who benched him. So if if he were to go somewhere else like San Francisco and win, I think it looks badly on uh, on Steve Wilkes. I do.
0: That's fair enough. I, I also get the impression, and here, I'll just ask outright,
1: do you not want Steve Wilkes to get the job? I want the uh, best coach to get the job. I want the guy who can come in there and win. I don't care who it is. Even if it's someone who I've really disliked in the past, let's say Bill Belichick is available, put, put that whole record aside that he's kind of good, uh, Not never really been that big of a fan, but if he can come in and win, I'm okay with it.
0: Fair enough. I can respect that. Uh, Seattle, Carolina coming up on Sunday. It should be a very interesting one. Uh, We are going to break that game down. Obviously coming up on Wednesday, we will have responses to this week's practices, this week's press conferences, et cetera, et cetera. And then on Friday, our game preview, where we will get into all of the X's and O's for Carolina at Seattle, which again is a big game uh, we are riding with New Orleans. No, we're not riding with New Orleans. We are pulling for a Tampa Bay loss tonight. I mean, that's the way to phrase it, right? There you go. I don't want New yeah. Orleans to win. I just need Tampa Bay to
1: lose. I think I think that's the way to, uh, to phrase it for sure.
0: So we will find out, and we will obviously break that game and the state of the NFC South down and our place within it coming up on Wednesday's show. Lonzo, any final
1: words for the people? Uh, just good luck, Baker. I mean, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, really, it's no hard feelings, right? Like, I hope, I-, I hope, he- good luck on your future endeavors, sincerely, is the best way I can put it. That's all for us, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, do us a favor, follow us on the social media at The Rob Brown Show on Twitter and Instagram, at LonzoOnWord on Twitter as well. And again, download, subscribe, and share us around. We very much appreciate it. We will see you back here on Wednesday for another episode. Of the views from Main Street podcast, keep pounding, baby.